No intro. Uh, we don't, Never an we intro. Don't, we don't do those. Whenever we've tried, it's gone terrible. One non-movie-related topic to talk about. Okay. And then we go into the foams. Go. Okay. Uh, well, non-movie-related? Yeah, but it has Crap. to be, like, lingual. <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> it's not going to count. I, I know. I'm trying to think of something. Uh, this is not what people tune in for. No, I know. This is not what people tune in I know, for. I know. I didn't know I was going to be put on the spot <laughs> he called for to a, speak publicly uh, a non-movie. For an hour, hopefully way less. Uh, well, okay. I just All I can think about is the Snyder Cut, and that's movie related. Oh, so. okay. I'll take that. Because okay. I don't consider his films to be movies. <laughs> uh, or films, for that matter. <laughs> Yeah, the Snyder Cut is real. It's real, baby. See, this is the thing. A lot of people uh, in the movie industry thought that this would never get happen. Yes. Um, a lot of people thought that it's just a lot of hot air. I don't want to. This is Monday morning quarterbacking. I always knew there was a Snyder Cut. I oh, knew sure. that he had footage. I knew that he had access to it. And he's got a lot of time on his hands because he's not making any movies. So it's what would this guy do? Yeah. He would definitely throw himself into... Making the definitive cut of this boring, pointless movie that he made. Yep. So I knew it, was, it existed. I just, I also personally thought it would never see the light of day. But that is the weirdness of the new, new media. Mm. We were watching an episode of Community where Pierce makes a joke that tweeting is new media. And it's like, oh, remember 10 years ago? Because <laughs> now, uh, yeah, you know, all the. Um, little streaming kingdoms are are the newest media. Right. And right. so with Warner Brothers stake in HBO Max or mm-hmm. whatever uh, I saw a tweet today by somebody that was like HBO Max is HBO Go, but you got to sign up for HBO Now before you can put Max into the Go and you come I've back out again. Read articles about it? Yeah. And it's confusing. But because of their stake in that, they have not only the chance to recoup the cost uh, with however much right. the subscriptions are, but also to drive people to their content and hopefully hook them to stay around for non-Snyder Cut-related stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, um, it's a win-win situation for them. Yeah, except it's not because basically every new – there's just every – we're getting hammered here. Hmm. Every Everything is a new salvo in the culture war. and What do you mean by that? I have to explain to you what culture war is again. I'm going to go crazy. I, what's salvo mean? <laughs> what, that, that that was the problem? Yeah. All right, remember when everybody was covering their ears in Atlanta? Uh, Those yeah, were yeah. salvos. What? They were getting shelled? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Shelled by salvo? It's an attack. Okay, okay. It's a, it's a trick. <laughs> so who says that in a movie? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The Joker? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, so anyway, uh, and and so, you know, the Snyder Cut, yeah, the Snyder Cut is, sure, sure, there are some disappointed DC fans, men, women, and et cetera out there, but sure. mostly it's just bro guys who don't like Wonder Woman, right? It's just neckbeards Probably. who are scared to see their realm taken away from them when it was never theirs in the first place. Look up all the female creators, right. writers, editors, 
uh, artists that contributed to comics throughout the history of comics. Uh, and that's what it is, right? And so, and Snyder is their king, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I don't even know how he feels about it, although he definitely, I think, courts them as an audience. I know that he loves Ayn Rand, and it's like, that's a deal breaker right there. Yeah. But is he just, I get it. He just wants to make a movie, and he wants people to see the movie that he wanted to make. Right. But now there's talk about David Ayer getting a uh, Ayer cut of Suicide Squad, and it's like this will never stop. I I don't. I can't wait for the that. I can't wait for the the long cut of uh, Joker. You know the the Phillips ugh. cut of Joker. Ugh. Yeah, but that's when you, the ugh that you say that for Joker, but I feel that for for Justice League because I've been well, tracking I, it that long. I I feel that way too. I just I just I haven't even seen the original cut. Of Joker, so is it just I want the I'm, Gerwig cut of Ladybird. Yeah, Where's right, that? Right? Come on! <laughs> Another half an hour of Jackie from Roseanne, you know, yelling at her oh about stuff. Oh my god! Yeah. All right, come on. We, what are we talking about today? Uh, well, uh, should we start with my movie this, this time? <sighs> yes, um, we'll start with your film. Okay, so um, uh, my film for this time is uh, Boogie Nights. Yes. Boogie Nights. Uh, this might break the curse my the curse that only i believe in that a movie can't be good if it's named after a song and uh, oh i didn't realize that was, there was a song i guess that makes sense that's what you're right, saying right? yeah it's just gonna be nice okay all right i believe you <laughs> um why did you want to watch this film um, I wanted to watch this film because it is something that I had heard about and I had kept hearing about it. So it's something I think that is kind of in the cultural zeitgeist, I guess. What? 20 I years say. later. Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, when it came out, I was probably way too young to, to, to see it, um, uh, you know, at the time. Fair. Um, and I think... I mean, I knew that there were a lot of people, like a lot of actors that you would recognize who were in it. I don't think I realized how many. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. And, well, I guess the only other thing that I I knew about it, really, besides it taking place in, at least in the beginning, in the 70s, um, I, I remember seeing Heather Graham in shorts and roller skates. That's what I remember. That's, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's probably on a poster for the film. Or probably, like yeah. Um, yes, and I will say what it's about. Yes, please. Uh, it's the San Fernando Valley in 1977, specifically mm-hmm. Reseda. Yes. Um, I guess I'll have to do subtitles for everybody. That's where all the porn is made. <laughs> no, no, it's not a joke. I mean, traditionally, I, 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 that's, I know. that's where porn is made. I mean, okay. now, digitally, you, you can make it anywhere, but that's where all the porn was made for a long time. Um, and a uh, guy named Eddie Adams is a uh, 17-year-old busboy, basically. Um, he loves Bruce Lee, who's been dead for five years at this point. And uh, he really knows that he's going to be something someday. Right. And part of that um, confidence that he has is his 13-inch penis. Right. Cut to Burt Reynolds, uh, who plays Jack Horner um, in this movie's universe, uh, you know, one of the greatest, you know, you know porno directors of all time, um, even though he shoots out of his house. Right. And uh, he discovers Eddie, uh, you know, and he he discovers that uh, not only does Eddie have the gifts, but he is natural at this. 
and he gets uh, sucked into this world, you know, where it really seems like he fits. But, you know, things go sideways as they do in a world filled with coke and, you know, jealousy and all this other stuff. Yeah. Uh, Eddie, you know, loses his way. Um, the, the dream turns to a nightmare uh, and things look really bad. Um, and then another movie starts or maybe just another scene from another movie at the end of the movie. Uh, Eddie goes back to oh sorry Eddie Dirk Diggler yeah he's his poor name goes back to Jack a little older a little wiser and ready to do it all over again with VHS this time instead of 35 millimeter right I think that was a pretty good (laughs) and the best part is it's only two and a half hours long (laughs) we'll get there (laughs) how are you uh, how familiar are you with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson films um, do you well, need me to list some for you? I, I've seen some. Um, I can't, uh, I always see a movie on my birthday. This came out on October 10th in 1997. Where was I then? Uh, I think I, maybe What Dreams question. May Come had come it came out or something like that. Yeah, something really huh. dumb that I wish I could take back. Yeah, uh, but this anyway. was not your birthday movie of choice that no, year, huh? It should have been, though. It should have been. Um, I have seen um, There Will Be Blood. I I have seen uh, Phantom Thread. I've seen The Master. All the good ones. Um, so I have a very short story about Magnolia. Um, I was <laughs> I was is, at. We're not talking about. I know, I know, but I was at a friend's house, and it was either during high school or in college after high school. I can't remember. Two thousand is when that came out. Um. Well, it would have been. Well, you don't have to. It was probably tell after. It was probably okay. in college yep. at some point. Yep. Beep. Anyways, okay, we were we were at my friend's house, and uh, he was a huge movie buff, and he was like, he loved oh. Henry Gibson. Uh, <laughs> he was like, um, we should watch Magnolia, and we started watching Magnolia, and I, for the life of me, can't remember what happened. That's if understandable. We, we decided no, wait. We stopped watching oh, the movie. Then the roofies kicked in. No, like we stopped watching the movie for some reason. I don't know why. I love this story. Um, and I never saw it again, and it's, so it's on my list now. So can I? I'm going to talk to you later about optioning that story uh, for film. But let's Shush. let's talk about where this story came from. Yeah, uh, it actually came from a short film called "The Dirk Diggler Story," made by Paul Thomas Anderson when he was in high school. I this saw explains that a lot about IM... Paul Thomas Anderson. I, I saw that on his IMDb page. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, uh, he made that in '88 when he was in high school. <laughs> And it is also, uh, I don't know what sources he drew on. I mean, it's also sort of based on, um, I mean, it's based on the porn industry of the late 70s and early 80s and the sort of transition from uh, film to tape. Um, And it's also uh, based on partially um, the life of John Holmes, the porn star John Holmes. Okay. Or Johnny Wad. Yeah. and there was a documentary um, called Exhausted that came out in like 81 that was uh, about him. What, was it also done by, was it directed by another porn star? Like the documentary about Dirk Diggler? Is? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know who directed Exhausted, but I know that the, the middle portion, you know, which is the transition into the bad part of Dirk's life where Amber makes that the documentary about him. Yeah. A lot of the scenes in there are like almost one for one 
recreations of interviews from really? and scenes from Exhausted. Yeah, huh. he's just okay. kind of doing that, okay. doing John Holmes at that point. Okay. All right. And the biggest part is the tacked on scene at the end that I mentioned, which is probably one of the best scenes in the film, in a film full of great scenes. It, it is a film. The full of Sister great Christian scenes. scene. Is that one of the songs that plays? The it's Cosmo. Christian? Let's fly a crackers. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Chinese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that thing at the end. And that is tied to the real life Wonderland slings that John Holmes was uh, allegedly a part of. Um, there was a what? drug deal gone wrong. Uh, some people got like I think beat to death, and he was like implicated in it. But I don't think he ever served any time. Wow, wow! Sister Christian Lantern. Wow, wow, wow! Do you I'm call that wow a lot? Wow, 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 wow! <laughs> you, would you call that the Sister Christian scene or the Jesse's girl scene? I think I would call it the Jesse's girl Ugh. scene. It's probably. Well, it's probably generational. Okay, tell me if I'm wrong. The yeah, you are at, at at that part. We go to Jesse's girl. Of he's playing this mixtape. That's all of these songs that are really upbeat, and everybody's super tense. Which is it's great juxtaposition. <laughs> you, yo, you're gonna have dessert first. Let's um, do it. But we focus in on Dirk at one point. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Is he thinking about Amber? Is he thinking about what's do, his name, the new kid does being with Amber? Does I don't know. Does, does Jesse's girl appear elsewhere in the film? No. I, I, I'm just wondering. There's only one like, character named Jesse, and that's um, Laura Walters, um, who marries uh, Buck or whatever. Oh, um, no. I... I, 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 I Oh, you think that's what my it thoughts is? are together. Get yours together. Okay. Uh, he, Paul Thomas Anderson likes at, at that point in his career he liked takes like that. He mm-hmm. liked long takes mm-hmm. where maybe even the actor is like and just kind of keeps going. In fact, you would have known if you'd made it to the end of Magnolia. Magnolia ends with a take like that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't. That was the one thing that kind of weirded me out about that scene because it just felt like. They were just rolling. It felt like extra footage. So you think I, he was thinking about her? About I, no, Jesse. I don't. I have no. I don't think he's. I don't know what he's thinking about. I'm not oh, okay. saying that I think that he was thinking about anything. Oh, okay. I just don't know what that was for. But I'm saying that that is something that Paul Thomas Anderson does or has done before in his films. Now, if it comes down to a performance from Marky Mark Wahlberg, who at, was Marky Mark at this time, this was his first like major role. Yeah. In which I think he does a great job, but maybe he's not. Maybe Tom, the PTA wanted something out of him that wasn't that he saw that I didn't, or he was not delivering. I don't know. That's like for me, I don't know what that is. That's the flaw. Okay. That's the okay. artist's remark. Okay. All right. All I don't right. understand what I can't answer any questions you have about that. I I thought because of the lyrics in Jesse's Girl, I thought he was thinking about Amber and how she probably was with that other guy who kind of came in after him who was the 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 new I don't feel like I don't feel like Dirk thought much about anybody else besides him did he okay all right I don't I never felt like he was really in love with Amber or anything like that okay all right that's where the whole that's where the whole Mark Wahlberg persona comes from you know he's just like yeah cool bro okay oh yeah all right great yeah Oh, let me see your car, Scotty. Great. Yeah. You know, I know. Just like everything is just. I know. All right. Look, we've wasted so much time. So um, I'm literally going to read my notes 
Uh, you don't have any, brave. And um, we'll just do it from there, right? Okay. So uh, I, I love it, but there's a lot of tracking shots in this film. It's like he like the, the opening scene, you know, where they just track all the way through the club. It's like yeah. he saw Goodfellas and was like, hold my penis. And like, <laughs> we're just going to do that. Um, Luis Guzman is in this film. Yes. This was the Luis Guzman era. But I, why did that era end? I miss him. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Because he's great. He is great. Um, you're not saying anything, so I guess I was going to say my next thing, but I'm going to stop and then have you say something after this. Julianne Moore is so good that she can act badly. It's tough to I, act yes. badly, especially if you're a good actor. Mm-hmm. And she can do it. Mm-hmm. And she does it throughout most of this film. And it's amazing. It is amazing. I agree with you. Um, somebody else who's in this film who is fantastic and I think always delivers is John C. Riley. Um, I I love him. I think he um, maybe not totally, but in some ways, I think he's underappreciated, and um, uh, I think he has a lot of range. and And I think that you um, you know you believe this his you believe him in this and this is one of his first films too and i know i know you mentioned he did another one with paul thomas anderson before this but he's not a couple who's in magnolia you probably didn't make it to him no i didn't <laughs> um you should really watch magnolia uh, it's on my list it's not the he's not his best film yeah. in fact it's the part where i think he kind of looked around and went you gotta pull it back a little bit like it's his <laughs> it's his coked out like indulgent indulgence film sure but uh, there's there's great stuff in it, and Julianne Moore is breathtaking in it. She is so good. Oh, I'm sure she is. Um, She's fantastic in everything she does. Yeah, John C. Riley's in it, kind of testing out uh, his stepbrothers. <laughs> He's actually testing out what, what he'll do for the rest of his career. Well, yeah, and I love like like Jack sets him up, like sets Dirk up with him like right away because he seems to feel like oh he'll show him the ropes and like but he's kind of like feeling him out and like like uh you know doing the competition thing and everything like right away yeah but they get out of their system and like they're like best buds for the rest of the film yeah which is you know like you wouldn't necessarily think would would happen uh in a situation like this because somebody new on the scene well i wouldn't think that a movie about porn would end with everybody getting exactly what they wanted except for right uh, except for poor uh, Colonel William H Macy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. screw the Colonel. <laughs> he, he... Why do we see the Colonel at the end? That's to, what I want to know. Because he loves montages, and he, you know, and we see that he gets what he deserves. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like it's kind of happy, and it's. I think it's the trade off between. I don't know. Like, I don't think that Paul Thomas Anderson has any points to make about porn. Or the porn industry. No. I mean, you know, you're dealing with a, a sensitive topic and it's going to create situations and it's going to attract people who should not be there. Yeah. Like the right. colonel. Right. Because um, Jack always seems, you know, fine. Yeah. Um, he's pretty well adjusted, all things considered. Yeah. But nobody goes apeshit on that guy. I know, right? Uh, at the end. That's great. Yeah. Um, but maybe the trade. So he's not trying to make a point, and nobody gets like, "Oh, somebody I got AIDS" or something like that. I, I know kind it's the seventies, but was surprised that nobody. Yeah, but got I think the trade off. But the trade off is that AIDS, I get to have but... like Nina Hartley is going to be in this. She's a famous porn star, uh, and she's going to. Did she play? She plays uh, Bill's wife or um, 
uh, yeah, Bill, Bill's wife. Who is Bill? Was that little Bill? Little William little... H Macy. William H Macy. Oh, okay, okay. I was gonna ask if that. You can have things was... like that. You can have yeah. things like, uh, you know, it's not like you graduate from college and then go porn. Like no, yeah, right. You know, this guy's he's turning jerk off tricks, you know, in a parking lot for money, and then Jack's like, oh, you can just get paid more to do that, and he's like, okay, great. Yeah. And so the trade off is, yeah, we're gonna get to the low lows, but everybody gets a super happy ending, um, and it's all like keyed to each other. It's all montage and yep. like match cut. So like while. You know, Dirk is at his lowest, you know, jerking off in an Isuzu in a parking lot. You know, that's yeah. when uh, the guy is yelling at Roller Girl and then Jack goes nuts on him. And everybody has all of their emotional states kind of sync up, which is yeah. like, you know, it's not it's not necessarily subtle or particularly artful. But right. I mean, it all it works. It's intense. Um, that's a. I mean, it's obviously it's kind. Well, I would say the. What did you call it before the 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 scene at the end? That's the climax. But uh, it, <laughs> it's kind of it. it's kind of the low part before that. And God, I mean, I know it's like kind of they're kind of making it like a small world, but it kind of makes more dramatic sense too yeah. that it's like the guy who taunted Roller Girl from like high school. Yeah, that's too. a little yeah. I mean, but again, coincidence is all PTA films as well. Like, yeah. Things just sort of right. come together. And again, you should really have finished Magnolia. Um, I know. I know. I thought that the, th- there's a lot of weird things about his style. I'm assuming that there's a script, uh, cause he wrote it, but also there's gotta be a lot of just let it run. Just like do what you Ad-lib. want. And I thought that the mom, Eddie's mom yeah. that we see at the beginning I, and we I, never I, see again. Right. Was great, but also not great at the same time. I thought that she was really good and you just really felt how spiteful but also frustrated that she was. But there was – because there were these long takes, I felt like she was maybe not an improver and she kind of ran out of stuff. And then so she would just kind of said a lot of the same things over and over again. Just her performance review. I feel like I recognize that actress from somewhere. Maybe. Possibly. Um, I liked that they scratched out the pee on Polaroid so it was a Rolaroid. That's yeah. hilarious. I don't know why they did that. Um, <laughs> they did uh, Ricky Jay's in this movie. Uh, the dearly departed Ricky Jay for for no good reason, but it's always good to see him. Um, Who did he play? He played the editor. Oh, okay. He was, uh, he was cameraman yeah. too. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I know what you mean. And um, can you think of anything else? Um, there's some other good actors in this. Um, Don Cheadle is in it. Um, uh, I think. Okay. So we talked about Face Off recently on Just Enough Trope. I'd love to see where this is going. Um, and you talked about, when we talked about that, that there was a surprise Tom Jane performance. I feel like this also qualifies as a surprise Tom Jane performance because he comes in like halfway through the movie. We could put a whole, yeah, I think that he's represents, um, I'm not sure if there is, I think he's like the evil half of, of John Holmes because he's got the John Holmes mustache. Okay. And he sort of instigates sure. the whole thing, so I'm not I don't know. I'm kinda of talking on my ass here, but <laughs> Um But this also came out the same year as that movie. So big year for Tom Jane. Yeah. So we could do a whole stealth Tom Jane podcast. Where you're just doing a movie wow. and it's like Tom Jane. Yeah, right. Uh uh tempted. Uh Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh yes, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Thank Seymour you. Hoffman. Yeah, exactly. Um 
And then I was looking at the cast list. No, we're not done talking about Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, okay. All right. Are you kidding me? No, I know. Stop glaring at me. I don't know if I want to do this show anymore. Oh, come on. <laughs> we can continue talking about Philip Seymour Hoffman. I want to know where you were going to. So what were you going to say? I just was going to talk about somebody else who was in the movie. But you go ahead. Who was it? Well, I, I looked at the cast list in... Um, Robert Downey Sr. is in this? That's not as good as talking about Philip Seymour No, Hoffman. it's not. No. I apologize. Well, we'll just have to watch another Philip Seymour Hoffman movie someday and talk about how great he is. Uh, yeah, Phil, Robert Downey Sr. is Robert Downey Jr.'s dad. He's a filmmaker, director, and he plays the, you know, the sound guy, or I think he's the continuity guy or something like that. Right. He's, he's got the mustache. Yes. He's the, old, he's the oldest member of the crew. Yes. But Philip Seymour Hoffman is, is great in this. No, it's too late. Why is it too late? Let's see. What else? Um, is this uh, the porn godfather? What, Actually, what does that I was even thinking, mean? As this, start, it's a, I th- this is like a mafia movie, isn't it? Or this is, like a, this is like a Scorsese movie, but with porn. And Scorsese should make a porn movie before he dies, shouldn't he? Wow. Um but not a not an adult film. I mean, a movie I, about the porn I, industry. I, I knew what you meant. There's a you've got the um, the the click the the blick the, the 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 scoop the knack. I have no idea. My Sharona the uh, Nick the the Nick. What's the porn show that's on HBO? I don't know. Anyway, I don't um, know what it's called. I, because Phil Baker Hall comes in and he's the salazzo. You know, mm-hmm. he's like. Don Corleone, you know, drugs are the big thing now. We got to do this. And he's like, right. I don't want to sell that to people, you know. And, and, and Jack Horner's like, I, people, I want to, I'm a filmmaker, okay? I don't make right. TV. Right, right, right. But then, you know, he ends up doing it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Pro- I, probably for the best. Ever since I was a little kid, bro, I, I just wanted to be in porn. <laughs> don't say that. Um, anything else? Uh, I mean, we talked nothing about. I think it won. Um, was nominated for a lot, didn't win anything. Uh, okay. Burt Reynolds, who we have not really talked about, and is great, uh, fantastic, won a Golden Globe. Okay. Um, but otherwise, I, I don't know what to say. I, I, it's a movie that I think, because of its subject matter, doesn't get brought up a lot outside of you know film buff circles. I think that that's but correct. all film buffs love it. Mm-hmm. It's ninety something on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and I would say, having watched this now a couple times, it's good. Mm-hmm. It might be overrated. Whoa. By a little bit. Okay. Because people treat it like the best movie ever. <laughs> and I think... I don't know if I would go that far. I think having, you know, Don Cheadle go to a donut shop <laughs> and just spend five oh. minutes buying donuts, and then a guy runs in, and there's a triple slaying, and then he grabs money and runs out, it's like, well, that's a real... Pulp Fiction situation. Kind of is. You know, everybody's yeah. actions all lead to things. You know, if not like a lesson, at least comedy or something. And it's just like, well, it's just random chance. Again, that's another thing. Watch Magnolia that he liked to play with. But <laughs> and it's not just the John, John Cheadle thing. I mean, I think there's other moments that are just like, it's kind of like we said before, kind of convenient or sort of. Why is this happening now? Right. It, right. You know, a uh, little bit too much of a coincidence sort of thing. Um, I know it's a movie, but yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. It is a movie. Um, I, I would recommend it. And I'd recommend Magnolia. Let's talk about the film that I selected. Yes. 
for this show. Mm-hmm. A film from 1939, often called one of the greatest films of all time, at a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, Victor Fleming's Gone with the Wind. That's right. Except it should be George Cukor's <laughs> Gone with the Wind, but he was fired three days in. Are you serious? You want a little Hail Caesar gossip? Wow. So sure. supposedly when Clark Gable came on to the, to the picture, um, there was a rumor that the, the way that Clark Gable made his bones in the early days before he hit it big uh, was by gigoloing. Okay. And gigoloing on the other side of the street, if you know what I mean. I know what you mean. And George knew about that for some reason, or Clark Gable thought he did, and Clark Gable was un- uncomfortable working with him and had him fired. That's wow. how the story goes. Wow. Okay. That's the, only, that's the only story I got. Okay. I mean, these are both of these, you know, they're 60 years apart, and... They're incredibly storied films with a yeah. lot of trivia, and we don't have any of that trivia because we're literally watching these basically for the first time. Right. So I don't – I'll try to do trivia that I know, but I don't know a lot of trivia. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> That's not um, what this show really is. No, it's, it's not. impressions. No. Um, G- give me your impression of someone giving a recap of Gone with the Wind. Oh, boy. Uh, so – Scarlett O'Hara is a wealthy woman from the South. Um, She lives on a plantation with her family. Uh, And she is in love with Ashley Wilkes, who is going to get married to somebody else. And Scarlett is all up in arms about this. No, this is... is, Well, and and the Civil War breaks out. Better. Uh, And so a, a lot of horrible things happen uh and uh like a quarter of the way through right um and the south ends up losing and uh she decides she's gonna go home and she kind of finds it in ruins and her almost halfway through the film and her uh her family is kind of in shambles and she has to basically put them together again. Give okay, her more or less in the beginning of the second half uh, of the film. And uh oh also throughout this is a man named Brett Butler. I was gonna say the fact that you got more than halfway yeah. through without mentioning him supports my theory that yeah. he just is walking in from a different movie, a thirties movie about rich people, and he's like, oh, what's going on in the Civil War? Yeah. Uh, Rhett Butler has been in the film throughout this, and he's been kind of courting Scarlet, more or less, and she keeps putting him off. They have a um, real, you know, John Cusack, Kate Beckinsale kind of vibe. Yeah. You know, they just keep running into each other, but they just can't seem to make it happen. <laughs> right. Um, the... Uh, they do eventually get married, um, and uh, but they experience tragedy after tragedy, um, <laughs> and uh, you're, you're in the last fifteen minutes of the second half of the film. Yeah, uh, and you he, miss the hour where like nothing happens. Yeah, well, and then um, he ends up leaving her at the end of the film, but she's not giving up. No, because she's insane like her dad. Yeah. Okay. Was that a a decent summary? Okay. Yeah. What? Okay. All right. What happened to the kitten? That's what I want to know. 
The kitten? Yeah, I want to know too. I don't think Scarlet's going to be taking care of it. <laughs> Maybe Mammy's taking care of it. What happened? What happened to the kitten? Yeah. That's... Well, this is what this is what people really want to know. Well, that's what I want. The hard hitting questions. Uh, that's what I want. What know. happened to the kitten in Gone with the Wind? When I sat down, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what, what happened to a sled? Um, when I sat down <laughs> to watch this, I immediately thought, "Am I going to like this? Mm-hmm. Am I going to like this? Yeah. Am I going to get in trouble here?" Uh huh. Because it is a movie that is 80-something years old now. That's true. And it features the, the Southerners are the heroes of the yes. film. And their loss in the Civil War is, you know, I mean, it was a tragedy in real life, but it's portrayed as a tragedy, a sympathetic tragedy on film. Yes, which, it's you know, is, very romanticized. We got problems, yeah, mm-hmm. um, or at least uh, issues with that. And it turns out that not all of it, but most of the film, it's kind of like antebellum starship troopers. What? <laughs> now stay Please with me. Please explain. Stay with me. Okay. You got a bunch of young people. They don't know anything. They're all full of piss and vinegar. And mm-hmm. they got their whole lives before them. And it's like, war. Bocephus, we're going to war. Oh, my God. And then, you know, war, war, war strikes. Yeah. And their lives are affected by it, and there's tragedy, and then, you know, eventually they come together at the end, you know, sort of tired and broken, you know, having gone through something. Yeah. Well, okay. All right. I, I can see it. I think, what did I think about this film? What did you think about this film? I think half of it is the greatest movie ever made, and the other half is a parade of pathetic cliches and spousal abuse with just a dash of clanism. Clanism? Mm-hmm. Really? Remember that exciting scene where, and it's a white guy and a black guy, where Scarlet is attacked on the carriage by a white guy and a black guy? Yeah. And there's a camp um, a camp of workers that are working for the Yankees and the carpetbaggers, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, where Big Jim lives. Yeah. And they get Big Jim out of there, but then immediately Honorable Ashley is going to go out there and kill as many fill-in-the-blanks as he can. He does. There's a whole funny scene where they bring him back, and, you know, uh, Rhett does this whole thing where it's like, wow, they were at the whorehouse with me. Oh, cool, because Ashley's wounded and they have to hide that, and Ashley's such a hero for doing this. Where'd I... they hide their hoods? Wow. Where, that's the plot of A Birth of a Nation. Wow. Right? I I, I honestly... A, a freed black guy tries to rape a lady, so she jumps off a cliff rather than be touched by him. Not that she should be touched by him. And then we got to get the clan together to get these black guys out of town. That's like literally the plot of A Birth of a Nation. Wow. I don't wow. know why you're so cowed now. Well, I guess... You knew all that. Well... When it opens talking about... Oh, the gallantry, you know, I know of the past. I know, and the and the decorum. It was like a dream, you know, that almost that almost wasn't and is no longer. Yeah, it's a well, little what much. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, I know, I know. And um, so for all that, and yeah. remember, this movie premiered in Atlanta, so I don't think they could ever not like have that in the, the film. For I don't know why the, all that's in there because most of the rest of the film portrays these characters. For the most part, as human, except for Melanie, who is an angel, and <laughs> right. and also d- does have some some commentary on the um, the, the, the ruling class of the South, 
yeah. that they think that they're like princes and, and lords and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And they're not. That they can just. But make the movie never laws. goes far enough to put the button on the fact that you only have all this shit because of that guy with no shoes on who's picking yeah, cotton. No, you're right. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It never really goes that far, and it goes out of its way to make sure that we know that Scarlet and Melanie and everybody who we follow in this film is really nice to their darkies. Yeah, I know. I know. There's even a scene where when uh, when Scarlet buys the mill and she's gonna she needs workers for the mill, they go out and get white confederate like prisoners yeah instead of hiring free black men Mm -hmm. because it would be too expensive yes and that's almost like a oh see white people can be slaves too kind of thing it is almost like that isn't it yeah 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 yeah. it is now again who's firing salvos in the culture war now yeah it's me (laughs) but i (laughs) but i'm just saying I, in 1939, they were even closer to it in 1939. I don't see, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel like it's forgivable, and I don't feel like it's. I think back then you should have been like, oh boy, and definitely now you should be like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And 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 Scarlet is. It's not like the movie is like always taking her side. She's just you know presented no. as this person who is self-absorbed, but also they go they go a long way towards you know trying to justify why she becomes. Like I thought the first half of the movie, like I said before, is it's it's fantastic. Like it's mm-hmm. amazing. And as soon as the movie becomes just this sort of chamber drama, you know, with right. just her being a bitch and like him being an abusive asshole. Yeah. And then there's just like you were you were crying and I was laughing because there's there's that cliche that I talk about where it's like, nothing bad's ever gonna happen to us. Bong, we're in a cemetery looking at a gravestone. And that literally happens like twice in, in, in less than five minutes. I know. I know. And I know this is based off of like a th- huge, thick-ass novel that probably isn't well-paced, but that's what movies are for, baby. This doesn't have to be 221 minutes long. That's how long it is without the overture, intermission, interact, and exit music. We wondered what it was, and that's, that's what it is. Wow. 238 with the music, 221 without. Okay. All right. Well, there is a difference there, isn't there? Yes. Um, Say something so I can glower for a while. <laughs> like Rhett Butler. Um, well, I'd seen this film a couple of times before this. How? Um, what do you mean? Did how? you stop watching it like right after right before I, I met you? <laughs> how could you watch this movie a couple of times? It would take I, years. I saw it a couple of times. I saw it growing up, you know? Um, and, you know, I, I thought it was a classic film, but, you know, I, I, I have my critic goggles on now and, um, don't put it on me. Don't you put that evil on me. I'm not putting it on you. Um, and you know, there are parts of it that watching it now, um, didn't have not aged well. Um, the, um, (laughs) you know, the... (laughs) Wow, you're laughing. <laughs> got got that? Not COVID. Um Ugh. the um the the spousal rape, for example. And oh, then she's like you, and then she's just like Just go right to it. And then she's like happy the next morning. <clears throat> which is 
it's weird. It's really weird. You know, like her and, I, yeah. and he's being really terrible to her. He's drunk. Right. But you see, but, but, but it's, it's the, I don't feel like, and I don't know. <clears throat> they've been making, you know, these plays for well, a while now, I think. Uh huh. Um, there's some great guy who was going to tell me about it, but he was a ghost. Um, yeah, yeah. I know. So like you can, it doesn't, I don't forgive a movie from 1939 that's willing to spend four hours of your life for not developing this well enough. Like we get that Scarlet is ultimately self-centered, yeah, but also is dutiful. She learns the, the hardest way you can by eating a dirty carrot about how to be dutiful. Yeah. But she's, you know, loves this guy that doesn't love her, who's just a loser and a weirdo. And I... and then and then with Rhett, we don't know, because it's not Rhett's movie. But we know that Rhett, I don't know what Rhett's thing is. He just likes being cool, and he's, you tamed me. And she's like, I didn't want to tame you. And so we don't, we're not privy to the thoughts of these characters, and we should be. And mm. the movie leads up to, spoilers, the death of a child... Yeah. And that's what makes him like, well, I'm out of here. And that's what, that was my problem with that. It's like, if you want to kill a kid, you have to do more than this. There are Mm -hmm. whole plays and films about the death of a child and what it does to, and you could fit a couple of them inside of this movie. And you you didn't do that, you know? Yeah. It's just, it just becomes an episodic melodrama after a while. I I get what you're saying. It's dramatic, then I it's do. melodramatic. Yeah, I know. Uh, I I I do agree with you in some ways. I, I do think that the first part of the film is maybe stronger in a lot of ways. Um, I do think that there's some fantastic performances in it. Um, and uh, I I also you know think that the the costuming is amazing. Yeah. Um, and. Um, <coughs> I I, I do I do think for the most part that it is it deserves the praise that it gets. Um, Why are you trying to wrap it up already? Just I open don't... open your thoughts up. I have um, so many more thoughts. Oh, about okay, this, all right. But Sorry, I'm gonna do one of mine now. Okay, it's <clears throat> it's the it's unbe- the color is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's I wonder why other movies look the way they do. When, when this, was this made looks in like this, it has been 1939, and it's not. Ju- and the answer is the cost. I mean, the cost must have been insane to do this all in Technicolor, but it it's unbelievable. It looks amazing, mm-hmm. and it's um, you know for you know showing up as the second guy, like Victor Fleming, uh, does a great job as well as uh, Ernest Holler, the cinematographer, because it's worth all of it. You know, yeah. when you watch a movie, you know, you watch, like, I liked, you know, Philadelphia Story, liked it. But we both agree yeah. that it was like, that's just a play, basically, that they're just shooting from one angle. Right. And, like, when people talk about Citizen Kane as being, like, the greatest movie of all time, they're they're saying that for a lot of reasons. But one of the things is staging. And, Absolutely. Yeah, And yeah, yeah. the cinematography. Yes. And this all has that in spades. Like, yeah. there are so many great choices. There are so many um, things that you just don't do anymore, like... Um, I don't know, just like techniques and things that are used well. And <laughs> the only person that ruins it is the guy that plays Ashley because he's just like. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, he, I think you mentioned while we were. Tonight. 
I'm going to die. I'm going to die. No, you're not. During this podcast. Uh, talking about garbage the wind. <laughs> Please stop. He clearly comes from stage because he just, he won't look at the camera or like near the camera, you know, like you're looking at the other person. He's always looking off. He's putting his hand in his, his face on his hand. Yeah, I, I... Oh, my wife, he puts his head down on a frame, and I'm and like, he's, like, talking into tell the him, table. Just tell him to, to put his head up. I know, I know. Weird. Um, <laughs> I, I remember uh, as a... Limited amount of time left, okay, so wrap it up. I remember as a young child um, being pissed at Ashley, because I feel like he well. leads Scarlet on, and then he, like, really did love Melanie Ashley the entire Wilkes, time. Ashley Wilkes? Yeah. Son of John Wilkes? That name's died out, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Uh, nobody named that anymore. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, I remember just being really pissed at him. And then I, I, it's so like, it's so like Scarlet to realize this man that she's been pining after her on his wife's deathbed really loved her and she could never really be with him. And then she realizes, Rhett, I love Rhett. Well, he's he's gone. He's you know, he's Yeah, but do you think that do you believe that she even really loved him? She might she have thought she Rhett? did, but she's like lost the only person who was there for her the whole time. True. She really has no I don't I it's such a cliche to say like oh she wants what she can't have, but now that she could like technically have Ashley, I think she sees how much he cares about her and now she's got nothing. And she always she needs something. We see well, yeah, that's many true. scenes in the film where somebody tries to leave the room and she fake cries to bring him back. Yeah, why isn't she just? I mean, I, the, the, the the most famous movie line of all time. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Yes, it's right near the end of this film, and I have to wonder what, why they thought that that works. That has to work for some reason, mm. and it works in their mind in the past because. He's telling this bitch off, right? Right. So that must mean that she doesn't really love him, right? It's all just grasping. It's all just her needing security. It's a very feminist movie. She's, do you know what I mean? Like, she just needs help. She needs somebody to be with her. Yeah. I, and so I she's going to go back saying. to Tara, right? Yeah, right. Isn't, I, that's my interpretation. I don't think it's some, some great love that they've just, these ships finally pass each other in the night. <laughs> um, well... Maybe, maybe. Yeah, thank, God we, thank God we did this live. Uh, maybe not. Um, but I mean, Brett says Brett says over and over and again that like they're so alike and they're both so selfish and stuff like that. So maybe, maybe these two people. Yeah, but why is he the the authority? Yeah, I know. But he just I, wants somebody to be as as bad and as as uncommitted as him. He should be an animated cat. Like that's how like unfaithful that he is, you know, or how much he wants to cruise around. Um, why is she like that? Because he says so? I mean, maybe she could... Just... Has she, he shot a guy in the face? No. <laughs> I mean, maybe she could just never... As she said before he... Well, while he was proposing marriage to her in a kind of a sarcastic way, uh, she basically said she didn't want to get married again. She didn't like it. And I, honest, I, I believe her. I think maybe she's not suited for it. But for there's a part of her that just has to be with somebody. Like yeah, you well, said. <clears throat> uh, I guess. But ultimately, um, the, the camera makes sure to see that we see a white guy promising uh, freed slaves 40 acres and a mule. 
by I know. telling him who to vote for. I know. And that's who she sided with. She sold out and wow. was selling wood to the Yankees. Yeah. Well, she didn't want to die. I don't, I don't know. She wanted money. So. I don't know where this movie's head's at. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because otherwise they would have framed it more like we would have got a speech or something from her saying, I've got to keep food on the table for somebody. She, I don't think she had a kid at that point, but... She just basically said she... Boy, this show doesn't work when I can't talk, she, huh? She wants money and she wants, <coughs> you know, more, more of it. Announcing the end of the network. Oh, stop it. I think I'll probably be fine, though. Bong! Stop! All right, well, that's it, because uh, I can't talk anymore. Uh, we'll be back in the future with more videos to talk about and stuff. And until then, stay healthy and stay safe and healthier than I am. Baby, call me now, I'm hurrying.